everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that comes up a lot when we're working through the process of embarking upon a set-apart life, and that is how to get past your past, all of those memories from mistakes maybe that you've made, and just how the enemy can use those things to put a roadblock in your way where you feel like you can't really progress with God, or you feel like maybe it's too late for you to truly have an intimate relationship with God or discover the very best that he has for you because of what you've been through in the past or just sinful issues or habits or mistakes that you've made you just can't seem to stop thinking about and stop feeling guilty and covered in shame and distracted by constantly. I remember a time in my life when I was just getting to know Eric and I was starting to catch a vision for what a God-written love story could truly look like. Two people who could set their lives aside for each other and not give their heart or their mind or their emotions or any part of themselves to anyone until God scripted their love story, until they were married. And I thought, wow, that is what I want to be able to do for my future husband. And as I watched Eric's life and I saw him living that way, I remember thinking, I wish that I had lived differently in the past few years of my life. I had made a lot of mistakes in the area of relationships. I had given away a lot of things that were sacred. And now God was showing me not only a very godly man, but also this pattern for purity and this pattern for faithfulness and his pattern for a Christ-centered love story. And I remember clearly thinking that's a beautiful vision, but it's too late for me. I can't experience a God-written love story or really understand the beauty of real purity and faithfulness because I've already made too many mistakes. And it was really a hard thing for me to walk through. I was constantly thinking about it, feeling this heartache and this heaviness because of my past and wishing that I could go back and do things over. And as I began to really pray and draw closer to God in that season of my life, he began to gently show me that I was allowing my past to stand in the way of what he had for me, that he wanted to do something really incredible in this area of my life, but I was still wallowing in the past and just declaring, oh, well, I could never experience his best for me. It's too late for me. I wasn't really going to him and asking his thoughts or opinion about it. I was just jumping to my own conclusion, and I was allowing my past to stand in the way of his plans and his purposes for me. He began to speak to my heart that he not only wanted to just give me a second chance, but he wanted to give me a whole new beginning. He wanted to wash me clean from the past and give me a fresh new start and show me from this day forward, from that day forward, what his pattern really looked like and and redeem everything that I had allowed the enemy to steal in this area of my life. I was really blessed by reading the story in Luke 7 of the woman who came to Jesus at the Pharisee's house, and she was known to everyone in that community as a sinful woman. And even the Pharisee sitting next to Jesus said, you know, this man, if he were really a prophet, would not even allow this woman to come near him because everyone knows that she is a sinner. But this woman was broken. She was humble. She was repentant of her sin. And she anointed Jesus' feet 
and with her tears and wiped them with her hair and was weeping at his feet. And it was such an incredible picture of just absolute humility, brokenness, repentance, and knowing that Jesus was truly her only hope for a, for a hope and a future. And instead of rejecting her, when, when she comes to him saying, Lord, I have nothing, I can bring nothing to you, and just declaring her utter and complete need for him, that was when he said, you know, he doesn't reject her. He actually says, this is a life that I can truly redeem. And he says, this woman loves much for she was forgiven much. It was such a blessing to see that here's this woman with a, a notorious past. And yet Jesus gives her a whole new beginning because of her repentance, because of her willingness to lay her entire life at his feet. And that was really what God led me to do in that season of my life, to take all of the mistakes from the past, repent of them, be washed clean by him, lay them at his feet, and allow him to remove them as far away from me as the east is from the west. And to actually believe the word of God that when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think so often the enemy just wants us to continually dig up the past, rehash it, rethink it, allow it to affect our entire future, and ignore the fact that when Jesus truly washes us clean, when we come to him repentant and humble and broken and ready to be washed clean and transformed by him, he's not held back by our past and he can truly make us a new creation. And so many of us don't allow that process to happen because we're buying the enemy's lie that it's always going to, our, our past is always going to stand in the way of what God has for us in the future. I love what Corey Ten Boom says about God's forgiveness. She said, you know, when we confess our sin to Christ, he casts our sin into the depths of the sea. And then she said, well, it's not really in the Bible, but I believe that he posts a sign that says no fishing allowed. You know, that's such a good illustration because the enemy is always baiting us to go fishing. It's like we bring our past sin to God. We lay it at his feet. We ask his forgiveness. We turn and repent. And he casts it as far away from us as the east is from the west when we do that. He casts it into the depths of the sea. And then the enemy comes to us and says, you know, you need to, to fish that sin back up. You need to dwell on it. You need to pay penance for it. You need to think about it all the time. You need to let it put a barrier between your relationship with God. And that's actually the opposite of how God's forgiveness works. Sometimes it feels more spiritual to wallow in the past and constantly feel guilty about the past. But once we've repented and been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, we are to let it go. And repentance truly means turning and walking in the opposite direction. So we're coming to God, confessing our sin, receiving his forgiveness, and then by his grace, turning and walking in the opposite direction. I really believe that repentance does not need to be a complicated ordeal. It's simply coming to God and, like I said, confessing our sin. Now, if we're continuing to live in habitual sin and we're not confessing it, we're not allowing him to shine that searchlight in our soul and we're holding on to our sin, then yes, our past and the sin that we're continuing to live in is going to constantly haunt us. But when we're willing to get it out on the table and confess it and admit that we, we have sinned, that we have wronged God, and to ask his forgiveness to allow him to wash us clean, if we've sinned against others, making restitution, making things right with others, and then by 
God's grace from that day forward, turning and walking in new direction. And that really is what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery when everyone wanted to stone her and he's riding in the sand. And and then he finally stands up and says, you know, the person who has never sinned, let him cast the first stone at her. And one by one, they begin to all walk away. They're condemned by their own conscience. And finally, it was just Jesus and the woman. And he says, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. He's basically telling her, I'm setting you free. I'm forgiving you. I'm washing you clean. And from this day forward, go and walk a different direction. And so that's really what repentance is. It's a very simple process. And I think the enemy wants to oftentimes convince us that it's more complicated than the word God, the word of God says that it should be. The way to get past your past is simply to reckon God's word as true and ignore your thoughts, your emotions, and the lies of the enemy. What does his word say about being forgiven from our sins? He says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says that when we repent and turn, he removes our sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. Period. End of story. That's what God says, and he cannot lie. It's really only our own emotion and the lies of the enemy and the just the thoughts that plague us that we allow to come in and don't compare those thoughts against the word of God and the truth that's in the word of God that constantly lets our past sins get in the way of the work that God wants to do in our lives right now. So I'd like to share with you a couple of practical things for moving past your past and being fully present in what God wants to do in your life right now. And as I said a minute ago, a huge key is being led by truth and not by your emotions. I feel that so often we as women are controlled by our emotions. Our thought life is controlled by our emotions, our attitudes, our decisions. Everything's an emotion-based thing instead of looking at the word of God and saying, I'm going to be led by truth and not my emotions. Because there are a lot of heavy emotions associated with things that we've gone through in the past, mistakes that we've made, regrets that we have. To put those emotions aside and say, I'm going to stand on the promises of God, on the truth of God, and not allow my emotions to control this situation. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. Really, his opinion is the only one that matters. If we have a thought or an opinion or an idea that doesn't line up with God's word, no matter how true it may feel, it's actually worthless if it's not in agreement with the word of God. Now, this is the very opposite of our postmodern mindset. We often think because we're growing up in a culture, even a Christian culture that acts like, you know, anything you think or feel, whatever random thought or idea pops into your mind, it's very valid. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's post it on the internet. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it really is useless. So we have to learn how to evaluate every thought, every feeling, every belief against the word of God. The key truth to remember here, and I've shared this in previous podcasts and on different Facebook presentations that I've done, so you may have heard me say this before, but it's so worth repeating because we have to remember this each and every day. Our feelings do not affect God's facts. And I got that from an Amy Carmichael quote. I just love it. I think we need to be meditating on that reality every single day. Our feelings do not affect God's facts. Amy Carmichael wrote those words when she was an invalid 
laying in bed toward the end of her life as a missionary. She had become very injured where she couldn't walk. And I'm sure that she had to grapple with emotions and confusion and doubt. And she chose to stand upon the word of God and say, no matter what my emotions say, no matter even what my circumstances say, I choose to be led by truth and not emotion. And so she was writing about something that she observed in nature when she was laying there in her bed looking out the window. I'm going to read you the entire quote. This evening, the clouds lay low upon the mountains so that sometimes we could hardly see them. And sometimes the stars were nearly all covered, but always just when it seemed as though the mountains were going to be quite lost in the mist, the higher peaks pushed out. Even supposing the clouds had wholly covered the face of the mountains, the mountains would still have stood steadfast and the stars would not have ceased to shine. I thought of this and found it very comforting, simple as it is. Our feelings do not affect God's facts. They may blow up like clouds and cover the eternal things that we most truly believe. We may not see the shining of the promises, but they still shine. In the strength of the hills, that is his also. It is not for one moment less because of our human weakness. Heaven is no dream. Feelings come and go like clouds, but the hills and the stars abide. That is such a beautiful illustration to look at the steadfastness of the mountains and the stars and the things that God has put in nature and realize that those things remain. Even when they're covered by the clouds, they're still there. Just as God's faithfulness, his forgiveness, and his promises remain steadfast and unmoving despite what our feelings may try to tell us. Elizabeth Elliot said, we must keep a tight rein on our emotions. They may remain, but it is not they who are to rule the action. They have no authority. A life lived in God is not lived on the plane of the feelings, but of the will. So I want to encourage you to practice ignoring your emotions when it comes to this area of getting past your past and ignoring what your thoughts and your feelings and what seems right to you like well I need to you know pay penance for this for two or three years before I can move forward with God that's not what the word of God says so practice putting those wrong thoughts and feelings aside and standing firm upon God's truth instead when those thoughts begin to bait you learn how to kick them out and take them captive and dwell on God's amazing promises. Things like, God has removed my sin as far away as the east is from the west. That's in Psalm 103.12. Or this one, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. And here's another one. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The list goes on and on, but begin to memorize these kinds of verses that enunciate the complete forgiveness that God has done in your life so that you will have a counterattack ready whenever the enemy tries to remind you of your past or tell you that you're going to be hindered because of your past. You have a counterattack ready, and it's the words of God that you can stand upon and say, nope, that's actually not true. I'm a new creature in Christ. 
or my sins are in the depths of the sea, or my sins have been cast away as far away as the east is from the west, not by anything that I have done, but because of the power of the blood of Jesus, because he purchased my forgiveness and he I, He has become my righteousness. Begin to understand those truths and build your life around those truths and dwell upon those truths until they become more real to you than any of your thoughts or feelings or memories from the past. Another key to getting past your past is knowing and understanding the nature of God. The enemy wants to paint God up as this really harsh, cruel, untrustworthy tyrant who wants to make our lives miserable. And even after we come to him in repentance, you know, just beating us over the head for our past sins. When we confess our sins, when we repent, when we come to him, just like that woman who came to him in the Pharisee's house with washing Jesus' feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair in complete brokenness and being very honest about our sin and not trying to hide it from him. When we come to him with a a broken and contrite heart, he does not reject us. He does not pound us over the head, you know, to, to beat us up and to constantly make us wallow in that. He delights to completely set us free and make us a new creation in Christ. So we need to remember who our God really is. He is love. That doesn't mean that he takes sin lightly. But when we repent, he has already made provision for our freedom from that past sin. If you had an earthly father that was not a reflection of God's nature of love and forgiveness, then it's really important to go to his word and learn who he is, understand his nature. Don't use your earthly father's example as your understanding of who God is. That's something the enemy, I think, often tricks women into doing. It's like, well, your father didn't forgive you or he wasn't, he didn't show love to you. Therefore, you know, your father in heaven's the same way. Don't use that. That awkward relationship maybe that you had with your earthly father as an excuse to keep you from knowing who God really is. He has revealed himself in his word. He has revealed his love in the fact that he gave his very son to redeem you. So don't allow the enemy to put that as a roadblock and keep you from that intimacy and that repentance that God wants to do in your life. Here are a few scriptures that you can stand upon when you're working through understanding who who God is and what his nature is. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That is really incredible to understand God's love. You know, so many women struggle with doubting God's love. You know, oh, I've made all these mistakes. I've done all these things in the past. How can God possibly love me? I just don't feel loved by God. Look at that verse and stand upon it, meditate upon it. You know, so often I think we wait until we feel some gush of love. You know, I just feel loved by God. But here it is just spelled out in black and white. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? You can see his love for you right there. So begin to stand upon that as your reality, despite what you may feel. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. That's an incredible promise to be able to cast all of our care upon him because he actually cares. He cares about all of our burdens, all of our problems, all of our struggles, and he asks us to cast those things at his feet and not carry them 
on our own. And John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And he goes on to say, you are my friends. He, he has laid down his life for us. He has called us his friends. We don't need to wait until the feelings come. We can simply stand upon these incredible promises in the word of God to understand who he really is and how complete and thorough his forgiveness really is. Now, like I said, he doesn't excuse sin or wink at sin. If we're continuing to harbor sin in our lives and we're unrepentant, we're not confessing our sin, then it is going to put a barrier in between our relationship with God and it will affect our future. But when we come to him in brokenness and repentance, he willingly offers complete forgiveness and redemption and restoration. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. I love that word all because it doesn't linger. He doesn't say, well, you know, you're just going to have to be partially forgiven for this, but you're going to have to just wallow in shame and regret over it the whole rest of your life. He cleanses us from all the filth of the past when we confess and repent and turn. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. If you've been plagued and haunted by your past, know that you can be completely set free from that bondage starting right now. When you repent and turn, he has a hope and a future for you starting today. So just come to him like the woman who washed his feet with her hair, declaring that he is your only hope. You have nothing outside of him. And when you do, he will not cast you away in disgust. He will receive you, forgive you, and redeem you. What a God we serve. If you would like to take these truths deeper in your life, I want to encourage you to join our online course going on right now called Fearless Living. It's available this month at setapartgirl.com. This course will give you a biblical battle plan against fear and anxiety. It will teach you the principles of complete surrender to Christ, and it will give you a vision for the courageous life that God has called you to live. And we do go in to being set free from your past even deeper in this course. The course includes four weekly video sessions with me, a course study guide, a live Q&A where you can ask your questions, and I really hope you'll join us. You can visit Set Apart Girl for more details. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.